We're going to talk about astonished, astonished by God. And as we do, I, I want to jump into what we're dealing with right now, which is uh, the COVID, the shutdown, the uh, loss of jobs, the, uh, the sickness, all that's happening right now. Uh, oftentimes, <laughs> our, our news and our, our generation loves to make it like, this never happened before, there's more. Uh, well, actually, this one's true. This never has happened before. So how are you dealing with it? How are you doing with what's going on around you and inside of you? For, for some of you, it's fear. And it's a legitimate fear. Uh, our neighbor has, uh, I think it's called COPD and high blood pressure and another pulmonary issue in their, in their life. And they're afraid. They're sure that if they get it, it it will cause their death. That's a legitimate fear. And you may be afraid of sickness and what's happening with this. Financially, your fear is probably legitimate. In terms of if you've lost your job, some are able to work at home. Some have maybe been furloughed, but they know they're going back. But some of you, you've lost your job, lost your job. What's going to happen Next, who's going to provide? And then the sorrow. The sorrow that we're watching as maybe you've lost a loved one or you're you're close to someone who's lost a loved one. And and you're watching this happen and and it's, it's truly heartbreaking, some of these stories and some of what's going on in people's lives. And the unknown. The, you don't know. Like, never have I experienced with the government's like, yeah, you can't do anything. Like, we, we're shutting it all down. We, it used to be this way, now it's this way. We don't know what the future is going to be like. And <clears throat> even when you go to the store, like you go to a, a Home Depot, a grocery store, and, and you, you, you should, how close should I come to that person? And, and do you find yourself becoming judgmental? weird, weird reactions inside of me. Sometimes I'm like, oh man, you shouldn't do that. What are you doing? You shouldn't do that. Other times I'm like, uh, forget this. I want to break the rules. I want to go, uh, go against it. And, and we, we now have where people are even calling and, and telling on each other and you're like, whoa, what, what's going on here? It's so uncertain what's happening. And you don't know. There's, all, there's, there's a lot of uncertainty. Many times in our lives, and I bet you are right now, we ask ourselves, where's God in all this? Where do you see God in all of this? I, I, I want to see God, but where do you see God in all of this? That's the question we're going to ask, ask today. I, I love the answer. I look forward to you hearing the answer. So let's jump into God's word and find out where do we see God in all of this? We're going to start in the book of Romans, and uh, in a phrase where where really it applies right to what we're going through in many ways. It says, for although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God, nor gave thanks. So the principle, first, is they know him. Secondly, is once they know him, they don't glorify him as God. They don't. Glory is to honor. It's to say how great they are. It's to be astonished. 
astonished. What does that mean? Astonished is to be surprised, wowed, like blown away by someone or something, the character of what it is. You're astonished by it. And being astonished is a great way to live. I loved being a parent. I loved when my three-year-old was in that stage of life where they, they were astonished by these things. They would learn new things. They'd be like, whoa. And they'd have so many more questions about it. They wanted to know about it. And they, <clears throat> they loved it. They responded to finding new and amazing things. That's what it means to glorify. Now, and as God, nor gave thanks. To thank God. And it says him. Know him. They didn't glorify him. And they didn't thank him. Not thank the universe. Not thank um, all of mankind. Or No, no, no. Him. To thank God himself. It says, for although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him. But their thinking became futile. Futile means it doesn't work anymore. It's broken. It's worthless. It's a, it's a way of thinking that does not work. Now, you don't have to go very far to find futile thinking. I don't have to go outside of my own house because I, I don't have to go outside of watching myself. And the futile ways that there's a problem, and when I go to solve the problem, I make it worse. Or I can see a problem coming, and I don't do anything about it. I'm lazy. I, kinda, I don't put things away. I don't close the door. I don't shut the windows before it rains. There's a lot of futile thinking that goes on. One of the really big ones that, that, that's just crystal clear to me, I think all of us can watch this and see it and go, oh, wow, that, that really doesn't make sense, which is uh, our culture has said, listen, you should be able to have sex with anybody you want to, wherever you want to, whenever you want to. It's freedom. They need to be able to do that. They've called sex and love the same thing, and that's, that's futile thinking. It, it's, it doesn't make sense. It has some consequences to it. And then when someone gets pregnant, they call that a problem. That's futile thinking. A new life is not a problem. It's a life. As a matter of fact, it's astonishing. A new life is amazing. And so they, they call it a problem. And what is their answer to the problem? Let's kill it. Abortion. So you go from... Futile thinking, and you're gonna, which creates a problem, and you're going to solve the problem by more futile thinking. It just doesn't work. I love this story. Not sure it's true. It doesn't matter if it's true. It really, it really fits what we're talking about. <clears throat> There's a family, uh, a father, mom, a couple of kids, and, and they had a dog. He was a doorman. They loved this dog. I bet you. I bet you love your dog. You can probably relate to this. They loved this dog. And so they looked for a place to rent, looked for a place to rent. They couldn't find one because no one wanted to take the dog. And so eventually they're like, okay, we're going we're gonna to buy a place. And they looked and they looked and they, they found what they thought was a perfect place. Had a nice backyard for the kids and the dog. And the people next door seemed nice. And so they moved in and, and they loved it. They met the people next door and they were nice. It was, they began to build a relationship with them. They had in the back, they had a bunny uh, coop where they kept a couple of beautiful white rabbits. And at, at first, the dog uh, would bark at the rabbits and interact with them, as a Doberman should, and they trained him. Dobermans are smart. And so they trained him. They trained him well. They trained him so he no longer would interact with the bunnies. They, he would just leave them alone. 
great dogs. They love their dogs. They love the neighbors. They even love the bunnies. And so, and they also did a really good job of keeping an eye on their dog. But they had to go on vacation for uh, a couple of days. And uh, so they had somebody else feed the dog and take care of them. And the person did a good job, took care, took care of them. And, and, but the last night, the person who fed them forgot to put the dog in. And the neighbors came home from their vacation. They were so excited. It was so fun. They had such a great time. But they missed their Doberman, and so they couldn't wait to see him. So the kids run around the, the, the back of the house, and they scream, Bob, Dad, no, no. And oh, they're scared. They run around to the back of the house, and here comes the Doberman with a rabbit in his mouth, all muddy and dirty. And they're like, Yes, they look over at the neighbors, and there's only one rabbit there. They, they're like, oh, no, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? So they thought, ah, I know what we'll do. They took the rabbit. They took him in the house. He didn't have any uh, bite marks on him, and he, his skin wasn't broken. So they, they cleaned him all up. They got him all really cleaned up, and then they blow-dried him all nice, and so his hair was really fluffy. He looked really good, and they went over, and they snuck into the neighbor's yard, and they put the dud rabbit in that cage. They're like, Whew. and then they kind of watched to see what would happen. Well, they, they didn't come out till that night to uh, feed the rabbit, and they, they happened to be watching the neighbors as they come out to, to check on their rabbits, feed their rabbits, and they watched the neighbor drop the food and go... And they just—they look really terrified, and they're like they're so heartbroken. They're heartbroken for the rabbit, but they're heartbroken for their neighbors, who their their dog killed the, the rabbit. And and it probably wasn't the wisest thing, but they had to do it. They walked out. They're like, "Everything okay? You guys okay? Oh, did the rabbit die?" And they're like, "That's not the crazy part. Why would anybody do this? This this is scary." Our, our rabbit died three days ago, and we buried him. Somebody dug him up and put him back in the cage. <gasps> Futile thinking. That's, that's what we do. We do it all the time. Where does that come from? When, you have, when God has revealed himself to you, and you do not glorify him or thank him, your brain doesn't work anymore. And their foolish hearts were darkened. Your ability to interact with other people becomes dark. It, 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 it becomes jaded. Why is it so hard to get along with people that we love? Why is it so hard to, to get along with people we work with? Why is it so hard to get along with people, period? Because we have foolish hearts that have been darkened. Our ability to even interact with God has been darkened by this. Remember that three-year-old? That three-year-old is just, just excited and loves to learn and, and, and glorifies and thanks and just, just, it's, there's full of joy and they relate and you love, it's a delight. But that three-year-old sometimes grows up into a, to a teenager who everything is boring to the teenager. You, it's hard to understand They only want to play video games or stay inside. And when they have an opportunity to go on a terrific vacation or see beautiful things or learn new things, oh, it's all boring, it's all boring, it's all boring. You know what that is? That's a foolish, darkened 
heart. Now, it says at the beginning, or it goes on to say, since what may be known about God is plain to them, because God has made it plain to them. When? Where? Has God revealed himself to you? Has God shown himself to you? It says, for since the creation of the world, God's divine, God's invisible qualities. Love that, right? Things that can't be seen about God. You can't actually see God, but you can see his qualities. His eternal power forever and unbelievable power in his divine nature. You can see that he is God, even though you can't see him. You can see his God. His God. He's revealing himself to you, have been clearly seen by being understood from what God has made. So that people are without excuse. You've all experienced it. You've gone outside. You've gone for a walk. You've gone camping. You've gone fishing. And you, you immerse yourself in creation. It's someone created this. This is incredible. This is amazing. And the more you know about creation, the more astonishing God becomes. And so... That's what we're going to talk about. We're going to, in this whole series, what we want to focus on is these two things. Am I glorifying God and am I thanking God? You see, when you do those things, you get to see who God is. God's revelation becomes clearer and he becomes bigger and more amazing to you. And when you pull those things back, your brain stops working and your heart stops working. And so we're going to spend some time today looking at who God is. God is absolute. And uh, I actually got this book, uh, this series from this book. It's by a guy named John Piper, and it's called Astonished by God. Real creative of me, right? Now, I actually stole the actual title. Um, and it, this book, I encourage you to buy the book. I encourage you to buy the book and begin to read through it. It's, it's really good stuff in here. There's also a book called Basic Theology um, that I would love you to, to pick up. It's guy, by a guy named Ryrie. Theology is the study of God. It's finding out who God is. And both of these would be really great as we work through this, through this series. God is absolute. Now I'm going to read some things out of this book as we begin to work through, uh, through this series. It says, God absolutely is. This is amazing. God gave himself a name used for more than 4,000, used more than 4,000 times in the Old Testament that presses us when we hear it to think he is. He absolutely is. He is absolute. That's what the word Yahweh means. He is. This is the first of the wildly untamable, explosively uncontainable Electrically future creating realities. The, the, the sentence was so astonishing I couldn't even read it. We will we will dis, that we will discuss a people who are who are stunned and astonished that God is will be irrepressibly will be irrepressible people. Let me say it again. Once you grab a hold of the fact and, and you see God, you look at God for who He is that He is absolute, you become an irrepressible person. 
Something amazing happens to you when you see astonishing things. Something incredible happens to you when you're astonished. It, it changes you. It inspires you. It, it does something to you. Our triune God loves to show up in gracious power where people are blown away by the fact that he is. We're going to start with God is at, that God, God's absolute being means he never had a beginning, nor did he have an ending. This staggers the mind. Every child asks, who made God? And every wise parent says, nobody made God. God simply is. And always was. No beginning and no end. If he did not come into being, he cannot go out of being. Because he is being. He is what he is. There is no place to go outside of being. There is only he before he creates. That's all God. All that, that's all that is. It's God. Let's see what the Bible has to say. Before the mountains were born, you were brought forth, you brought forth, or you were brought forth, the whole world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. From beginning to end. You see, God never began. He's always been. God will never end. He's eternal. It goes on to say, I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Let me say that again. I, says the Lord, who is, who was, and who is to come. He's everything. He is the Almighty. I, I used to love when I was a kid. Grew up on a farm, and so I got to go places where there was these fields, and you could see no people, and there was no buildings. And I would love to lay on the ground and look up in the sky and think about where the universe ends. You go, okay, well, there's the sky, and then it ends. No, there's something beyond that. Okay, there's our universe, our stars, and then it ends. No. There's something beyond that. Now, we love to think we're really smart. I mean, we've got science. And for some reason, whenever we say that's what science says, we, we think we're really smart. But science is only the discovering of the truth. And the truth is, we have no idea where it ends. I mean, no idea where it ends. It goes forever and ever and ever. It makes your head hurt. It, it helps you to see, whoa, God is so big and I'm so little. That's astonishing. Number two, he is utterly independent. Utterly independent. God's absolute being means that God is utterly independent. He depends on nothing to bring him into being or support him or counsel him. Think about that. He never asks advice. He never has to. Or make him what he is. That is what absolute being means. The Bible says, Ah, sovereign Lord, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. There's nothing he cannot do. Jesus said, looked at them and said, with man, this is impossible. How many things in life do you think are impossible? 
You're not wrong. They're impossible for you. They're impossible for me. But with God, all things are possible. You see, there's no problem that he's run into that he's like, I, I don't know what I'm going to do about that. There has never, ever been a problem he ran into he didn't know what to do about it. Or that he didn't have the power to do something about it. I, I love what it says next. This is great. I have no need of a bull from your stall or of goats from your pens. For every animal of the forest is mine. And the cattle on a thousand hills. I know every bird in the mountains. And the insects in the fields are mine. If I were hungry, I wouldn't tell you. For the world is mine and all that is in it. Wow. Especially when, when, when we tend to interact with God as though, oh, God, as if we, we get God to do what we want him to do and not do, or, or we're impacting God. We're like, we make him happy and we make him sad. and we, <clears throat> As if God is reacting to us. No, no. He's astonishing. It, astound, it astounds me that he never needs me in any way, shape, or form. I know that everything God does will endure for... Oh, have you not known? Have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, does not faint or grow weary. There is no searching of his understanding. He never gets tired. That's... That's beyond us. Everything we know gets tired. I know that everything God does will endure forever. Nothing can be added to it and nothing taken from it. God does it so that people will fear him. Number three, he's constant. God's absolute being means that God is constant. He is. The same yesterday, today, and forever. He cannot be improved. He is not becoming anything. He is who he is. There is no development in God. Think about that. There is no development in God. No progress. Absolute perfection cannot be improved upon. Astonishing. At the beginning, you existed and laid the foundations of the earth. The heavens are the work of your hands. They they shall perish, but you shall remain and endure. Yes, all of them will wear out and become old like a garment. Like clothing, you shall change them, and they shall be changed and pass away. But you remain the same, and your years shall have no end. Astonishing. So for us, everything gets old. Everything gets old. Everything we've ever seen, everything we've ever watched, everything we ever touch, it wears out. Everything wears out. There's, there's actually unvolved nature. That everything breaks down. Everything we've seen, everything we've experienced, everything you ever will experience on this earth, it breaks down, it gets old, it wears out. Not God. You see, he never gets old. He never changes. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Wait. So this Jesus that we talk about, this Jesus that we pray to, this Jesus that we, we pour our hearts out to, this Jesus we're trying to see in the midst of all of this, 
He's the exact same Jesus that we read about in the Bible. Do you mean in the last 2,000 years, he hasn't changed one bit? He's exactly the same one? He's exactly the same person. Do you ever pray and try to get God to, to change? Change his mind. Try to get him to, to do something and you're worried whether or not he's going to answer you? As if you've got to kind of manipulate God. You've got to get him to do what you need him to do. No, 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 no. He is the same yesterday, today, forever. He never changes. Yes, the world around us is changing all the time, but we have a place where we can stand that never changes. He also says in the beginning of the Lord, you lay the foundations of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you will remain. They will wear out like a garment. I think I already read that one. Um, and the next one as well, I think I already read. He is, number four, he is the absolute standard of truth and goodness and beauty. Let me read that again. He is the absolute standard of truth and goodness and beauty. Let's read what they have to say about that. There is no law book to which he looks to know what is right. There is no almanac to consult to establish facts. No guide to inquire of the, to determine what is exactly, what is excellent or beautiful. He himself is the standard of what is right, what is true, and what is beautiful. Let me go back up to that beginning that where it says there's no almanac to, to consult or establish facts. Are you experiencing this right now? I am big time. With almost everybody that I interact with and talk to, the big question is, what do you think about this virus? Is this virus different? Is it really different than other ones? And you watch the news and you interact with people and you're like, where'd you get that idea? Where did you get that fact? Does that back it up? Now, it seems like every day they come out with a new report or something different than what they said before. And I've read numbers of articles where I read the, the title of the article, but then the article itself, the facts of the article, totally opposite what they've said in the, in, in the headline. I'm sure they're trying to mislead us. And, and so all over the place, and the people that we talk to, what do we keep doing? How do we know it's true? How do we know it's right? Where do we go to find the truth? You know why we do that? We don't own the truth. We are not the truth. But God's the truth. He never checks it out. He never has to go back and find out what's true. It's him. The same thing's true for beauty. Is that beautiful? Well, beauty's in the eye of the holder. Everybody has a right to their opinion about what's beautiful. No. No, God is beautiful. God defines beauty. Beauty comes from him. Astonishing. If, if you let this settle in, if you think about this, you mean it's not just that God knows it all. It, it, it's that God understands it all. He's it. He is the truth. The Bible says he has made everything beautiful in its time. He's made everything beautiful in its time. Did you know that everything that God creates is beautiful? 
Just run with that one for a little bit. Could you find anything that God created that's not beautiful? He has also set, he has also set eternity in the human heart. Yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. Did you catch that? He has set eternity in the human heart. I love that principle. I, I, it's amazing. Every human being intuitively understands that they're eternal. They know they're alive, that they should last forever. Every child grows up, intuitively believes that there is a God, intuitively believes that they are eternal. You have to brainwash someone. You have to beat them with things that aren't true and and twist things for them to get to the place where they're like, no, 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 I don't think so. A a number of you have said, "I, I, I just don't believe in God. How can I believe in God? I challenge you. Stop trying to believe in God. Maybe ask yourself, why are you working so hard to make sure you don't when he's revealed himself through creation? He has revealed himself by putting eternity in your heart. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. The life. Yeah. Now, being alive is being physically alive. That's true. And God created that. Jesus created that. Did you know he was the creator? Jesus created that. He is the life, but it's more than being alive. You see, being alive, part of being alive is being astonished. The more astonished we are in life, the more joy we have in our lives. The more that we watch and we are around things that are like, whoa, that blows me away. You know what I think of? I think of going to an amusement park and getting on this crazy ride and it blows you away. And you get off that ride, you're like, you're all pumped up. You're astonished. You're blown away. For some of you, it's not an amusement park. It's an art gallery. It, It blows you away. It's life. It's joy. It's what really counts. It's what really matters. It's what never changes. Jesus says that's who he is. No one comes to the Father except through him. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit is the source of truth and life. The sum of your word is truth. What's that mean? If you add up the word of God, if you take the Bible and you add up the word of God, it equals truth. It is the truth. How do I find the truth? You're all searching for the truth. All of you are searching for the truth. I'm searching for the truth. God is the truth. And his word is the truth. The way you find the truth is you go to the Bible, you seek what he says, and then you take a look at the world through the truth. It's what it is. And every one of your righteous rules endures forever. Number five, he does whatever he pleases. And it's always the right. He does whatever he pleases and is always right and always beautiful and always in accord with his truth. There are no constraints on him from outside him that could hinder him in doing anything he pleases. All reality that is outside of him, he created and designed and governs as the absolute reality. So he is utterly free from any constraints that don't originate from the counsel of his own will. That's a lot of words. 
The ones that I jump on is he does whatever he pleases. I can't put a box around God. I cannot make God what I want him to do, and I can't do something that forces God to do something he does not want to do. I can't force God to do something he wants to do. He does what he wants to do. Not to us, Lord. Not to us, but to your name by the glory. Because of your love and faithfulness, why do the nations say, where is their God? That's what we're talking about. Our God is in heaven, and he does whatever he pleases and whatever pleases him. I know that the Lord is great, that our Lord is greater than all gods. The Lord does whatever pleases him in the heavens and on the earth and in the seas and in all their depths. He's free. The kicker is everything he ever does is good. You see, he doesn't go, do I want to do good or evil? That's what I want to do. And what that is, is always good. He makes clouds rise from the ends of the earth. He sends lightning with the rain, and he brings out the wind from the storehouses. Astonishing. He is astonishing. He astonishes me when I interact with him. Now, you may be going, hey, I, 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 I don't know. I don't see him. Well, what would we learn? We learned that when you do not glorify God for what you do see, when you do not thank him for what you have been given and what you do see, what he has revealed to you, then you lose the ability to see him, to be astonished by him. So here's a couple, couple principles. One, when you, when you try to see God, or when I look at God by looking at others, he's not, he is not at all astonishing. What do you mean? When I look at God by looking at others, if, if you're going to try to see God by looking at your pastor, God's not very astonishing. If you, if you try to see God by looking at churches and by looking at the way the world is going and look at, at what's happening with people and what the government is doing... God is not very astonishing. Here's the one we're more likely to do. When, when I look at God by looking at myself, you see, when I get that mirror out, I go, okay, God, I, I, I want you to reveal yourself. I want you to see, I want, I want to see you. I want to know you're real by you doing this for me and changing this for me and changing this about me. And God, uh, this is what I think about you. And this is what I believe. And this is what I... God's not astonishing when you look at God by looking at yourself. When you look at God by looking down, God is not very astonishing. I've been working on this house, work, uh, laying some tile, and in the living room of this house is this hanging, plant, uh, hanging light, and it's about that high off the ground. And I have hit my head on that light at least 50 times. Like, why don't you learn? It's there. You know it's there. Why don't you look at it? Because I'm always looking at the ground. I tend to walk by looking at the ground. And so I just keep hitting my head and hitting my head and hitting my head. You will never be astonished by God looking it down. But oh my, when you look up and you look at God for who he is, 
When you go, you know what? I'm not going to bring what I think. I'm not going to bring what I believe. I'm not going to bring my presuppositions. I'm not going to bring my conditions. I'm going to let God reveal himself to me. And when he does reveal himself to me, I am going to glorify him and I'm going to thank him for it. And something amazing happens. You are astonished. You're just, I'm just astonished at who he is. And and that he is absolute. He does not need me. He does not need anyone. He will not change. Everything he does is good. I am astonished at who he is. So I want to encourage you this week. The practical part of this is any way that God has revealed himself to you, glorify him for it. Praise him for it. Say it out loud. If you need to, go into the bathroom and lock the door and scream it. And thank him. I love doing this with my wife. At any given moment that I'm frustrated with my wife, and I go, God, I'm going to glorify you for who she is and how you've made her. And number two, I'm going to thank you because she's a gift to me. Changes everything. I could, I could spend all day trying to change myself, but something amazing happens when I look at God for who he is because he is astonishing. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much. Wow. For who you are. You don't have to describe yourself. You don't have to name yourself. You can just say, I am, because you are. Lord, to know that this world is changing all around me, there's so much out of my control, and a lot of it's not good. But I can stand on you. I can look at you. I can look at your revelation to me and know you can be trusted. You're not going to fail me. You're going to be who you promised you would. You, you're going to do what's best for me. Not in reaction to me, but because you are absolute. Thank you. Thank you. I want to praise you. I, I want to glorify you. I want to say you're great. You're to be praised. You're astonishing. In your name we pray. Amen.